not even just in the entertainment industry. It's your first day at a big corporate job. It's your first day on a set with huge stars. It's your first time making a speech in front of an audience. So whatever it is, how, how did you get past that feeling of, oh my God, these are major players. This is my first professional job. How do I make myself feel like I belong here? Like I deserve to be here. I will tell you, <laughs> there was a, my mentor in high school. Her name was Dr. Pamela Levy. She teaches at North High School where I went. My mom went, we all went. And I grew up in Great Neck and she teaches there. And she was my mentor. And she always had a saying before all of our big shows, like we did Carmen together. She taught me Carmen. I played Carmen. She taught me the whole score by ear. I mean, she taught me Mrs. Lovett. We did Sweeney Todd. She's incredible. And so whenever I would get nervous, right before I would, you know, go on stage of opening night, I, I would look at her and say, Doc, I can't do this. And she'd look at me and she'd go, Nikki, just go do it. So segue to we are at the massive read through of the script we'll read through sing through dance through of the movie there has to be at least 600 people in the room we're talking every single dancer every pa everybody from new line cinema every cast member i mean it was they literally rented out it looked like an empty airplane hangar with just tables of people around it and i walked in and i saw on a plaque it said nikki blonsky tracy germblad with the microphone in front of it and to the left it said queen Latifah, Motormouth, Maybell. To the right, it's a John Travolta, Edna Turnblad. And all of a sudden, those feelings from high school started yeah. to come up. And I was like, Doc, where's Doc? And I was like, and I thought, W, what would Doc do? WWE, what would Doc do? And I just heard her in my head say, Nikki, just go do it. Hey, what's up, you guys? Welcome to another episode of the Allison Interviews podcast. Before I talk about this episode's guest, I just want to say something because I think this shit could be very relatable to a lot of people. I had been told to start a podcast for years before I actually did this. For anyone who's followed my career, you know that I was a print journalist for many, many years. I did a lot of celebrity interviews and newsmaker interviews, but it was always in print. And anytime somebody would say, you know, you really need to do a podcast, I was like, no, I'm a writer, okay? Like, you know, I, I don't know why I took this hard line. It was so ridiculous until it became abundantly clear that I had to do a podcast. But you know what my biggest fear about jumping into the podcast space was? Like, it wasn't how crowded the space was. It wasn't like, will I succeed? Will I not succeed? It was, this was it, okay? It was fear of looking like a dork. Like plain and simple. It's so ridiculous. But I had a fear of looking and sounding like a dork. You know, especially with the whole YouTube thing, because I think what I do is a very visual medium. I speak to a lot of well-known people, and I think that, yes, it's definitely great to listen to the podcast, but I do think that people really enjoy watching my podcast because that visual element of the back and forth, because you pick up an energy on YouTube when you're watching that you can't necessarily get when you're listening. But I just always had this fear of just looking ridiculous on camera because I think we all like, you know, nobody likes the sound of their voice. Nobody likes the way they're, I mean, at least I don't like the facial expressions I make when I'm on camera and I'm like, oh my God, look, look what I look like. And so this is what I went through for so many years. And now I am kicking myself because I'm like, why didn't I do this sooner? Like, this is this is the greatest time of my life. I'm enjoying this so much. And you know what? It's like, yes, sometimes I do think I look like a dork and I probably sound like one now, but who cares? I'm not afraid of it anymore. And I think that's the takeaway from all this rambling that I've been doing in this intro. So now let's get to the episode, okay? Hopefully that helped somebody out there. <laughs> Today's interview is with actress Nikki Blonsky, and I had known of Nikki for a long time, not just from her movie and TV roles. I know that everybody knows her uh, the most from her, her big role in the movie Hairspray, but I actually knew of her on a personal level through a mutual friend who had gone to middle school and high school with her and who's actually now her publicist. And we reached out and we scheduled the interview, and it was just a nice 
thing because when I got on with Nikki, she was like, I've heard so much about you. And I was like, I've heard so much about you too. And it was just, a, it was a really nice thing. It's like that two degrees of separation kind of thing. So Nikki Blonsky, yes, yeah, she has an incredible story because she was just a high school kid. And it's so funny. You'll hear her talk about this during the interview. I said, you know, hairspray was your first professional gig in show business. And she's like, yeah, before I got the starring role as Tracy Turnblad in Hairspray, my two jobs before that were babysitting and working at Cold Stone Creamery. So how fucking funny is that? It's like babysitting, scooping ice cream at Cold Stone Creamery, or Although let's not put down Cold Stone Creamery because, you know, they, they mix the toppings into the ice cream. They do it on a special freezing cold slab. It's, it's a little bit more than like Baskin Robbins where you're just scooping the ice cream. I know I'm sounding like an asshole, but you know what I mean? But her first professional job was working on this big New Line Cinema musical production Hairspray with John Travolta, Michelle Pfeiffer, Queen Latifah, Zac Efron. I mean, like, I could go on and on. That, that's crazy. Like, that was her first professional gig. And she killed it. She was, if you haven't seen the movie Hairspray, go stream it, rent it, do whatever you have to do. It's a great movie. And then she's gone on to do a lot of television and film roles since then. She's been working steadily since 2007. She has a Lifetime movie coming out. And if you don't know this about me, I'm a Lifetime movie junkie, okay? And so she has a Lifetime movie coming out called Love Me to Death. And then she has another movie coming out that is actually about, you know, these headlines lately with these women that that bust these guys out of prison. Somehow these guys convince these women that they're in love with them and they bust them out of prison. And then the woman ends up getting caught and going to prison hello, like McFly, seriously. There's a lot of guys out there. You don't have to bust a guy out of prison to find love. Just saying. But anyway, she's got some cool movies coming out. And what was like really awesome is that she actually is writing a memoir. And so I'm assuming that will be out in the next, I don't know, maybe year or two. So I'm excited to read Nikki Blonsky's memoir. And we talked a lot about her personal life, about her journey of coming out, finding a relationship with her girlfriend who she's extremely happy with now, and just everything that's going on in her life. A lot of her, you know, you know me, we talk about spirituality and philosophy and, oh, and if you are looking for more podcasts after you listen to this one, check out her podcast called Nikki Nights. You can find it wherever you listen to your podcast and follow her on her on Instagram at Nikki Blonsky. And while you're doing that, follow me on Instagram at the Allison Kugel. So <laughs> without any further ado, this has been a long ass intro. Sit back, relax, and enjoy my interview with Ms. Nikki Blonsky. When I woke up this morning, because this is weird about me, all of the questions that I want to ask someone download into my brain when I wake up in the morning. The first question that I want to ask you is, I know it's the 15th anniversary of the film Hairspray. You had a very unique situation because you were just a kid in high school and you went right from being in high school to being on a movie set with John Travolta and Christopher Walken and Michelle Pfeiffer and Queen Latifah. And this was your first professional Get, correct? Yeah, this was my first job in the entertainment business. This was my first job outside of Coldstone and babysitting. Like, <laughs> it, was my, it was literally my first dipping my toe into the entertainment pond. Like it wasn't like I didn't dip my toe. I just dove in. Um, yeah, it was my first experience with it. And it was quite the experience. So here's my question for you, mm. because I think this is something that can help a lot of people. How, what is your best advice for somebody who walks into any experience where they might feel intimidated, like everybody else is above their pay grade and like they don't, you know, am I worthy to be here? That, that whole thing. What is your best advice based on that experience for other people? I always go by the wise words of my grandmother and mm -hmm. she would always tell me everything happens for a reason. What's meant for you will be for you. What's meant for somebody else will be for somebody else. And so what I say to those people is it's a tough business. It's hard. It's not for the faint of heart, but if it's in you, if it's ingrained in you and that passion is there, 
you just have to keep going. I mean, I always say for three doors that are going to close and people are going to say, no, there will be one that will open. You will get your opportunity. It's just a matter of really going for it, doing everything you possibly can, whether that's training and, you know, learning new material, keeping your monologues, you know, fresh and your audition stuff fresh and your reel going, but also just I always say my main piece of advice for anybody getting into the business, when they say I want to be an actor, I say, okay, as long as you want to be an actor and you don't want to be famous, there are two different things, right? Wanting to be famous is one thing, but wanting to act and create characters and portray these characters that will live on forever. That's what I do it for. And I think that's hopefully what kids today, the next generations that are coming out, will see that it's not all about like, you know, the fame and the glitz because that is 15 minutes and, you know, gone with the wind. But if you have really, really good acting chops and you know what you're doing, you can make your way in this business. You just got to keep your nose to the grind and keep going. It's going to be tough, but just do it. I mean, I give myself this pep talk every morning. Right. It's not easy. Like it's, I feel like sometimes I'm like, am I being a hypocrite? Cause I'm telling everybody to follow their dreams. I'm following mine, but it's just sometimes things work in your favor. Sometimes you have a break and that's just kind of like the entertainment business. Sometimes you're working like a machine and then all of a sudden you have three months to plant a garden or something, you know? Right. But I don't think it's hypocritical because I think we all, I always say when I'm teaching, I'm also learning at the same time. So when I'm spouting words of wisdom, it's like I'm telling it to myself at the same time. Yeah. (laughs) I'm telling it to other people, but in anything in life. So what I, what I really want to know from you is not, not even just in the entertainment industry. It's your first day at a big corporate job. It's your first day on a set with huge stars. It's your first time making a speech in front of an audience, whatever it is. How, how did you get past that feeling of, oh my God, these are major players. This is my first professional job. How do I make myself feel like I belong here? Like I deserve to be here. I will tell you, (laughs) there was my mentor in high school. Her name was Dr. Pamela Levy. She teaches at North High School where I went. My mom went, we all went. (laughs) And I grew up in Great Neck and she teaches there. And she was my mentor. And she always had a saying before all of our big shows, like we did Carmen together. She taught me Carmen. I played Carmen. She taught me the whole score by ear. I mean, she taught me Mrs. Lovett. We did Sweeney Todd. She's incredible. And so whenever I would get nervous, right before I would you know, go on stage of opening night, I, I would look at her and say, Doc, I can't do this. And she'd look at me and she'd go, Nikki, just go do it. So segue to we are at the massive read through of the script will read through sing through dance through of the movie there has to be at least 600 people in the room we're talking every single dancer every pa everybody from new line cinema every cast member i mean it was they literally rented out it looked like an empty airplane hangar with just tables of people around it and i walked in and i saw on a plaque it said nikki blonsky tracy turnblad with the microphone in front of it and to the left it said queen Latifah, Motormouth Maybell. To the right, it's a John Travolta, Edna Turnblad. And all of a sudden, those feelings from high school started yeah. to come up. And I was like, Doc, where's Doc? And I was like, and I thought, W, what would Doc do? WWE, what would Doc do? And I just heard her in my head say, Nikki, just go do it. And right. I just... Because she had trained me just to do it, get it out. And I did it. And I mean, I'll tell you, it was, I still can't believe that I was in that room and that day happened that many years ago. But it was one of the most amazing, intense, wildest days of my life. Just that read through, just everybody being together and just everybody just being so excited to play their each individual role, but to all come together and build like this massive, beautiful musical. We were all pumped. 
And what is your, what was your biggest takeaway to this day from that production? Honestly, it comes from the advice that John gave me while we were on set. And it also comes from playing Tracy. Always Mm -hmm. be yourself. That's what John told me. He said, always stay true to Nikki. Always be Nikki. Don't change for this industry. Don't, you know, just do what feels right in your heart. And I have taken that with me through every movie, every TV show, every life thing that I've gone through, I've taken his messages of advice and guidance and they mean more than anything to me. Like Hairspray was the greatest blessing in the world in my life, but my relationship with John and his advice really is like something that, I mean, I could have never fathomed Hairspray, but like I I could, I would have never imagined that somebody who's so busy and, and one of the biggest stars in the world just takes so much time just to take care of the people that he loves and to be one of those people that he reaches out to and continuously every year we talk birthdays holidays like it just means so much to me can I tell you something I mean I've never met him but I even when I was saying to my mother the other day I'm like this man is like an angel on earth I look at his Instagram and he's like this huge beating heart and he's been through so much and with everything he's been through he just always sees the good in the world and the good in humanity. I'm like, I love this man. Like I would be so honored to interview him someday. You know, when you can just feel somebody's energy, he has like, what the, a wonderful man. He has the most, like he comes in. It's almost like light just beams yes. out of his heart and his chest. Like he lightens up a room. He always finds the good, the positive, He just makes everybody feel like when he's talking to you, you're the only person there and you feel like the most special person in the world. And not many people have that quality to do that for other people. And he he just feels so incredibly special and he's so genuine and down to earth and real and human. And that's why I just, I look up to him so much because he's so aspirational between not just in his career, but in his personal life and how he's handled things. And like you say, his Instagram and he's just so fun on there. And he just, he loves, he truly loves his fans. And I have seen him with his fans and I've seen the world go crazy over him. And it is rightfully so because he is an angel on earth. He really is. Amazing. So the next thing I want to ask you is what do you long to see more characters being represented on screen who are not a size two, four or six as the as the main protagonist character where people actually care about the person's life and and the, and the story is about them. They're not the quirky friends. You know, they're not the sidekick, whatever it is. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? I think there, you know, there's so much, there's so many platforms now. There's not, it's Mm -hmm. not just cable TV. It's not just networks. There's so many platforms. There's so many streaming places for content that I think that there, you know, honestly, I would love to see so much more LGBTQ content, Mm -hmm. um, but also played by people, members of the LGBTQ plus community. And I think it would be amazing, you know, and vice versa. And that way everybody can really kind of work together. And I think, of course, as a plus size actress, I would really, I think it's about time that they really start making more roles for us because, I mean, we're not going away. Right. Like, I'm not going anywhere. I don't know what other plus size actresses plan on doing, but I'm not going anywhere. And I've learned along the way that sometimes if they're not written out there, if the roles aren't out there, sometimes you have to create them yourself. And so literally this morning, I was so frustrated that I wasn't like, you know, seeing stuff out there that I was like, that's not even like a, you know, a decent thing that, you know, because sometimes they put the plus size girl on like these like cheaper roles they make them like not you know the most fun or attractive or whatever and it's like I just wasn't happy with this so I just wrote a treatment for my own show this morning I was like I you know I have to be creative somehow even if I'm not even if this treatment goes nowhere it's at least my personal contribution to trying to make a change in the community 
in the entertainment industry. So how did you feel about, because I, I was watching, I'm, I'm always watching all the different streaming services and I saw an older series that you did from years ago called Huge. Yes. Um, where, the, where you were the main character, but it was about teenagers at a weight loss camp. And your character was the rebellious one who's like, what's wrong with me? Like, why do I have to say that something's wrong with me and go on a crash diet and exercise eight hours a day? And you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, how did you feel about that role and, and, and playing that role? Oh, God, I loved playing that role because I, you know, for so long I had played like a happy, you know, like cheerful. Oh yeah. Everything's going to be great dancing and singing. And then like, they chopped my hair off, put blue streaks in it. And they were like, no, this role is totally different. I auditioned for a really long time for that role because they wanted to see if I could be angsty enough and really right. like get that across. And, and you were angsty. Like you were really <laughs> angsty. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, you know, I had my, I, I just picked one of my favorite bad memories and was like, there we go. I'm just going <laughs> to give them that attitude, but it was really fun. And I fell in love with the role. Unfortunately, I think that the show was a little too soon before it's time. I think mm -hmm. if it was now in the body positivity kind of culture that we're living in, I think the show would have done much better because unfortunately when the show came out, out, it was competing against Pretty Little Liars and other shows like that, which we know went on to several more seasons. And we unfortunately got canceled after one. Right. And I, I had to wonder, was it because the world wasn't ready to see a bunch of plus size people in bathing suits on TV? They'd rather watch, you know, skinny people in bathing suits on TV. And so it was kind of that role for me was kind of like a double edged sword. I was really yeah. proud to play her, but I would really love to see her come back. I would really love to see that show or a show like it get a revival or come to life because kids need to see more representation of people who look like them on TV. I know growing up for me, that's how I found my idols was when I looked at the TV and I saw Mama Cass for the first time in a movie called Puff and Stuff. And I, there was this plus size, beautiful woman singing. And I was like, I could do that. Yeah, I could just so that's kind of what I hope, you know, happens in the future. But I would love for them to bring huge back. But who knows? So I interviewed Gina Davis not too long ago. And I don't know if you know this about her because I didn't know this about her. I I spoke her. To her. She has. OK, I, I, I reading it because I don't want to get the name of it wrong. She has the Gina Davis Institute on Gender and Media. So she has devoted her life for many years now, a lot of people don't know this, to her nonprofit organization. And what they do is they lobby Hollywood. They meet with studio executives and producers and writers and directors to try to get more diversity on screen. So whether it is older characters being portrayed on screen, characters of different body shapes and sizes, LGBTQ plus characters, and also just girls and women being portrayed in a way that is healthy and productive and not all of the different stereotypes and that kind of thing that plays into like more of a male narrative. And, and she's made a lot of progress because a lot of the shows now that I watch my son watching when he was like a tween on Nickelodeon, on uh, Disney, you now saw women, you, you saw girls in roles where it was more about education and empowerment and, you know, and career. And you saw a lot of LGBTQ characters and you saw different people from diverse backgrounds being portrayed in a healthier, more productive way. So with that being said, I mean, you were just talking about LGBTQ plus actors playing those characters instead of like a heterosexual actor playing the character. So I have mixed feelings about it because on one hand I say, well, the most talented person should get the role. But then on the other hand, you're like, well, but you want people who are actually in that community to be represented on screen and they've lived the experience. So they know the experience. I mean, what do you flip flop with that? Or are you like all the way I, one way? To be honest, I do. I go back and forth with it because I think, you know, acting is a craft mm -hmm. and whether 
any human being who's an actor, you know, I think if you're talented enough and you have the skills, but at the same time, being a member of the community there, if you're auditioning for an LGBTQ plus role, you have that experience because you've lived that experience. You've experienced the being scared to come out, the coming out or the possibly coming out. Um, You've experienced some type, maybe, you know, hate, whatever it is. So fear, so many emotions go into just being a a member of the community and then coming out. So I think that would add so much more to characters that are LGBTQ on screen. But at the same time, I do think some of the greatest actors in the world, you know, if you're talented, you're talented. I think everybody has the right to audition for everything. That's why I think LGBTQ actors should have the right to audition for straight roles and, you know, it's like may the best person win yeah it's like I you know of course I'd love to see the LGBT community play their parts but I think you know what's fair is fair and if if we can play straight roles then straight people can play our roles too right and that's a that's a good point playing devil's advocate that that is true have you been in a situation where you've auditioned for the role of a gay woman and somebody who was straight got the part or have you had an experience like that i know ironically it was different um i audition i was offered the role in a movie called geography club a few i guess it was about eight years ago and it was for the role of a lesbian and this was before i even knew i was one or i was yeah before i was a practicing lesbian and um <laughs> and i was just this character was so out and open and free and i think for me they didn't you know care about my sexual orientation they, they just wanted you know I auditioned for the film. They liked my read and I played the part. And I just remember feeling so free because she was so herself. And by me playing her and letting her just be herself, being gay, being proud, wearing her makeup, her goth makeup and her leather jacket, you know, her Doc Martens. And like, she felt so cool. That gave me the freedom to be like, you know what? I'm going to, dress how I want and I'm going to live how I want. I'm not going to care really anymore. You know, if there's paparazzi at the airport, when I get off the plane, let TMZ catch me in my leggings and my hoodie. I really could care less, you know, Yeah. like I've learned so much by playing these roles. And for me, that role was imperative because now I look back and here I am years later, a lesbian in a lesbian relationship. And my how the tides have turned. <laughs> so here's what I need to unpack because yeah. this confuses me. I will admit I've heard many people gay or lesbian say I knew from the time I was in preschool that there was something different about me. I knew from the time I was maybe five or six that there was something going on, but I didn't have the language to say what it was. And then but that what confuses me is people who say, well, I didn't know until I was 20, 30, 40, you know, and and so I say, okay, well, that I don't get. So how does that happen? Like, how do you, how do you not know what your sexuality is until later on in life? I can only speak personally on my, like on my own accord. Okay. For me. And I always tell people, even when people ask me, like, how did you know it was the time to come out? I say, everybody's different. Some people, I had a friend in high school, um, middle school came out at 12. I came out at 30. You know, it's different for everybody and it's a different timeline for everybody. Everybody has different circumstances, whether it be religious, whether it be family, whether it be, you know, fear of acceptance from both of those things, their religion and their family work. There's a million things that goes into, you know, thinking about yourself. And it's, I think part of it, some people, like, I always knew I was different, but I thought that was the actor side of me. But for me, it was really growing up and learning about myself. And that's when I learned that I was like, okay, wait a second. This isn't, I have been living my life to make other people happy. And I was afraid to take that, to take that leap and to 
see what it was like to date a girl. And then I did. And guess what? It wasn't the scariest thing in the world anymore. And I found out that it was exactly where I needed to be romantically. I needed to not be dating guys because it was nothing but just bad, bad, telling like bad, bad story after bad story. So but, what, like, but was it, was it bad, like heartbreak assholes or, or was it bad, like I'm not sexually attracted to these people. It was both. I could tell you, to be honest with you, I was engaged and I never wanted to have sex with him ever. Sorry. He's out there and he hears this. He knows I can't stand him. So nothing's changed. And so it's like, I never really enjoyed it. You know, I'm 30, going to be 34. I could talk about my sex life now, I guess. And I never, I I never really enjoyed my time spent in the bedroom with, with men. And then once I had an encounter with a woman, I was like, oh, okay. Now I feel more like myself. Now I'm enjoying it. I'm here and I want to be here. Wow. That is huge. It was very big for me because it was like, I was always self-conscious also Mm -hmm. about my body. And it was just, yeah, I can tell you that it totally changed. Just it literally brightened up my world and just the light bulbs went off and I was like, just so happy. And I, that day I just, you know, I decided from that day on, like, nope, this is it. And I'm now in like the best relationship I've ever been in. And they're just the most wonderful person. Um, so you were just walking around, like, you know, dating guys, bopping around, thinking well, that see, sex just kind of sucks. <laughs> no, <laughs> see, I, I was really late to the game. I, okay. I was... So I started babysitting at the age of 12. I, every single weekend I was babysitting, playing softball. Like I was the kid that everybody called in town to like babysit their kids when they were going out for the weekend. Like I was always busy. So all my friends were partying and doing all those, like going dating and all that stuff. I wasn't. I was so, once I got to high school, I was so hyper-focused on getting into an amazing school for theater or, you know, a conservatory. So I was like full steam ahead. I wasn't even, I hadn't even kissed a boy when I was in high school. My first kiss was on the set of Hairspray. It wasn't Zac Efron. So don't worry. (laughs) Everybody's like, was it? I'm like, no, (laughs) I hate to break all of of the world's hearts, but no. So I really waited a long time and I didn't really, I don't want to say dedicate, but I didn't give that much attention to my sexuality as I grew up. I kind of was just like, I'm just me. Eh, I just want to live my life. I was so career orientated and I just was so determined mm-hmm. to make musical theater and, and singing my job. And so I never really, even like prom, like I had no interest in my prom date at all. Yeah. You know? I'm getting, yeah, I get, I'm getting the picture. I totally get it. So I was kind so, of just more focused yeah. on work. And then once I kind of took some time for me, that's when I really realized who I was and what I, what I needed in my life and what made me feel right and whole and made me feel like Nikki. So how did you meet Haley? Because if she was, if she was living in Utah, like ha- what happened? <laughs> well, mean? Haley's amazing and Haley's quite crafty. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Haley, Haley, well, uh, it started, I believe, on Cameo. I think we did like a, we did, I was doing the live one-on-one cameos and Haley purchased one and we spoke live face-to-face. And after we got off, I was like, wow, that is just a gorgeous human. I was just, I was taken away by their beauty. Oh, and wow. And then I remember seeing on TikTok, I went into my inbox and Haley had slid into my DMs. <laughs> and okay. I'm like, yes! So, yeah. <laughs> so, um, and that was, yeah, the best slide ever. She slid, hey, they slid right into the DMs. And, um, and I obviously was like, oh my gosh, hi. Cause I had been, you know, thinking about them ever since the call. So yeah. So that's kind of how we met. And then I was living in LA. I invited Haley out to come visit me and we've been together ever since. We're about to celebrate six months. Oh, that's so awesome. I'm happy for you. Thank you. So let me ask you this. So when you slide into a celebrity's DMs, right? Because even when people go into my DMs, I don't always look at my, what do you call it? My requests. Yeah. Sometimes I don't see them for months. 
So how did you see her request? Well, it was on TikTok. So okay. we had been following each other. I think she, they, Haley had been following me on TikTok and I saw their name come up on one of my lives. And so I clicked it and I followed them. Okay. So, so you guys were connected. Okay. Yeah. Cause Got I was it. like, Oh no, no, you're not getting away. I like, <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah, that's what started it. And so I'm very happy and I can't wait to see them in a few short days. So how do you, cause I know it's different for everyone. You like, you guys are now posting about each other, posting pictures and everything. When did you decide, okay, it's time to do the Instagram thing and start posting each other. That's very different for me to be quite honest for, with you. I think with my fans too, I've been super private about my dating life, like my whole career, everybody ever since hairspray, they've wanted to know Zach, this one. And I just, I'm like, I want to be known for my work, not who I date. And I always said that until I met Haley and I realized that Haley contributes so much to who I am and my work and what I put out into the world with my craft and my creativity. Like I wouldn't be able to do half of the things I do without the support of Haley and, you know, without their love. So I was just like, well, it's pride month. I'm really proud to be with this person. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be with any other person in the world. So, and so that's when I made the post and all of my friends were shocked. Like my family, because everybody knows me, I'm super private, but it just came to a point where I was like, no, I'm in love. And I deserve to like, let people know this is the person I love. And this is the person that loves me back because unfortunately in the relationships that I have been in prior, the people that I've been with had never wanted to post like pictures with me or like be seen with me or like acknowledge that they were dating me. And it made me feel really ashamed. Like I was like, why is it? Cause I'm plus size. Like that ended up coming out being one of the reasons right. of the relationships. And so I just, after over time, I was just like, just, you know, being with Haley every day and just really getting to learn each other. I was like, no, I'm posting. And of course I asked them their permission. They were like, yeah, of course. And then now yeah. we did a TikTok too. And we just, whenever we feel like doing them and have fun, we just do them. And I just, I think it's important, you know, for my fans, because my fans are like, you look so happy. And I'm like, I am. Yeah. I am. And I always said for a very long time, like, I'll make myself happy. Like my career makes me happy and it does, but there really is something special when you do have somebody special in your life that supports what you do mm -hmm. and really like tells you, even when you don't think that you can do it anymore, they're like, uh-uh, get up. You can do it. I've seen yes. it before. And Having so that's someone what, like that in your life is such a gift. It is. 100%. Hey is the greatest gift ever. So what is the best advice you've ever received in your life? Oh, wow. Well, it's, it's probably both from, uh, John and my grandma. Okay. Um, my, John was always, you know, stay true to yourself, never change who you are not for the business, not for anybody in the business. Don't take any roles that don't feel right to you. Like do, uh, do it your way. And I, I found that really powerful because, you know, a lot of people just take everything that comes and, and that's, you know, sometimes not the way to do it. And John just really drove it into me to really just stay true to myself and follow my instincts. And my grandma always just taught me that to have faith and hope that everything will work out. You know, when you go into an audition room, you go in with your talent and faith and hope and a prayer, you know, mm -hmm. and it's like there's not much more. And <laughs> she always instilled that faith and hope in me. And when I would say to her, Nan, I want to be on the big stage one day. I want to be on Broadway. She looked at me one day and she said, I'm going to see you on the big screen one day. I never thought about yeah. television and movies like that wasn't even in my brain, but she saw bigger for me than I had ever could have dreamed myself. So I just carry her words of wisdom of what's meant for me will be for me. Like mm -hmm. when people say, Oh, were you mad? You didn't get this part. Or are you mad? What? No, because what's meant for me will come to me or I'll get it. And what's meant for somebody else. It'll go for somebody else. But that's, you know, it makes I love that advice. I love that. It's just a little easier to get through the day, you know, 
rather than sitting there racking your brain. But it eliminates that feeling of competition, that feeling of like, in order for me to win, you have to lose. It takes that all away. And it's like, no, 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 I'm going to wind up where I'm supposed to wind up. You're going to wind up where you're supposed to wind up and it's all good. Yeah. So because your only competitor is yourself. Exactly. If you win, then you win. If you don't win, then you don't win. You've got to get up and go again. And, you know, I just, like you said, it's kind of love that. Yeah. How the cookie. I don't, well, do you have any quirky or out there beliefs? Like I'll give you an example. I'll go first. Okay. I'll go first. So I, I have been studying uh, reincarnation and near death experiences and and all of that stuff for a really long time. And I also am obsessed with time travel. Mm. So I have some like real quirky interests. Like, do you have any outside the box things that you're totally into? Oh yeah. (laughs) I am. Oh wow. I, well, I love documentaries of any kind. I love documentary. I will show you, this is how weird I am. This is, well, this is the book I'm reading right now. Haunted Hollywood. Haunted Hollywood. Okay. And there's Marilyn Monroe. Yeah. So it's a book about the most haunted places in Hollywood. So I'm obsessed with old Hollywood, but I'm also really, really into the paranormal. So I've done ghost hunts. Um, I've been to Eastern State Penitentiary. I've done some really crazy investigations and they've been so much fun. And people are like, well, you what? You go? (laughs) I'm like, sometimes, but like, it's just really fun. And that's one of my weird little things that I like to do. And other than that, I truly, honestly, I love to bake. I love to cook. I know it sounds so boring. Me too. Yeah. I love to bake. When Haley goes to work, I literally will go to the grocery store and I'm like, what can I make them today to surprise them when they get home from work? Like I just get so excited. I love to cook for them. I love to bake. And yeah, I just like to, and of course, hanging out with the pups. They're always the best. Of course. So um, if you could travel back in time and alter any famous world event, uh, where would you go back to and what would you want to change or, or impact in some way? Oh my gosh. Like any event in history? Any famous event in history, if you could go insert yourself in there and somehow change the course of, of it, oh. or even just witness it. If, oh if my anything. gosh. I'm like positive or negative. I'm like, which way do I go? Um, (laughs) Oh, wow. I mean, I would have loved, well, would have loved to have been in the room. Let's just say I would have loved to live, been at a a dinner table with Betty Davis and Joan Crawford. That's a good one. Okay. Yep. And Patsy Cline. And that would be like my dream concert would be to go back in time to a concert and just hear like all of my favorite people who are no longer here, like Patsy Cline, Dean Martin, Frank Sinatra, Mama Cass, you know, Janis Joplin, just having just like, you know, a Lollapalooza of just all those people. I think that would be what I would like to do. But real things that have happened in history that I can go back and insert myself in. I don't know. There's so many things. I mean, obviously there's been so many tragedies around the world and there is every day, unfortunately. So in any way I can help, I would do that. Obviously I always try Mm -hmm. to when I can, but yeah, I just, that would be the fun one the dinner party. But um, if I could go like help out, I know, you know, my ground, my great grandmother uh, escaped right before the Holocaust. So that is, yeah. So, I mean, that's always been something because I'm half Jewish as well. So that's always been something that I felt an intense connection to because of her, because of that. So obviously if there was one thing in the world I could have wiped, I could just wipe away. Yes. Be it done. I'm, I'm reading a book about that right now. I'm reading this book called the daughter of Auschwitz by a woman named Tova Friedman. She was in the Jewish ghetto and then in Auschwitz at the age of four, four, five, and six oh, years old. Yes. And somehow her, her mother and her father all managed to survive after the war ended and they all reunited and she's now in her 80s she's a mom of four i'm going to be interviewing her 
Oh yeah. my gosh, that's and amazing. You have to, you have to read this book, The Daughter, The Daughter of Auschwitz by Tova Friedman. I've been crying my eyes out. I bet. It's, I will definitely. Yeah, it's 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 really something. Okay, a few more questions. Sure. What have you, what in your life have you mastered? And what is still a work in progress for you? I don't know if I've mastered anything. <laughs> I'm still learning every single day, but I will say the one thing I think I've mastered is loving learning how to love the people in my life individually like their own how they need to be loved you know what Mm -hmm. I mean because certain people need certain you know more attention or certain affection you know and it's like so I'm learning like I need to spend a little more time here with this person or I need to go out to lunch with this person and it's really just about that for me that quality time what are you still struggling to to get in this life to you know or what keeps coming up where you're like why does this pattern keep coming up I obviously still need to work on this <laughs> well it, it's that up and down of the career so right okay. so one time I'm one minute I'm up here you know and everything's great and then it's like you know and then you're like okay I gotta find a job again so if if there was one thing I could change it would be you know I would just be constantly working but I don't know I guess unless you're Tom Cruise that's not really happening but you know that I would change that but I'm still learning every single day and the more you know you study and you put your all your passion into it hopefully the more you get out of it okay and what do you think you came into this life as Nikki Blonsky to learn and what do you think you came here to teach I think I came here to learn just just to be a sponge and to learn about other people and other people's experiences. I love one of my favorite parts about the whole hairspray experience is getting to do a world tour and travel the world and go to countries that I had never even dreamed of going to. So it's like getting to experience all those different cultures, getting to experience, you know, life and then have such a, a big crazy thing happen in the middle of it and adapt and learn and grow. I think that's what I was put here to do was just kind of like ride this crazy tidal wave, but learn how to do it a proper manner and, you know, try and do it the best I can. And what was the other part of the question? And what, what do you think you're here to teach? Like your life is a living example of what? Um. <sighs> I think my life is a living example of it's if you have a dream and it's big enough and you go full steam ahead, you never know what can happen. My life is literally you never know what can happen. One day you're in high school and you're auditioning your butt off and then the next day you're on a movie set. So I think my purpose on this earth is to teach other people dreams can come true. If you put the time and the effort and cause I trained for years. So it's like, if you put it all in there, dreams can come true and you can make them happen. So just keep going. And also I think I've always been a very loving and forgiving person. So I mm-hmm. believe in love and forgiveness and equality for everybody. So that's kind of also what I feel like I was put here to do as well. So tell me about Nikki Knights. What's going on with the podcast? That is currently on a little hiatus, but we have had some awesome guests. I was literally just scrolling through them before. Um, and I will tell you about my favorite interview. I was so excited. Um, <laughs> it was it was something I created during the quarantine. And we just, it took off and we just, it was a blast. And we had so many fun guests. We had the first out NFL player. His boyfriend came on. We had so many wonderful, wonderful people. And then today I was looking at my, one of my heroes, Olympic, Olympic star, Scott Hamilton. I was freaking out. Figure skater extraordinaire. Was he, he was a guest on your podcast? He was. Awesome. Okay. Okay. Today, I was just going up through my computer, like, you know, go cleaning out my drive. And I saw like his interview and I was like, oh, I cannot delete it. <laughs> I cannot delete it. He is my hero. I will never delete. So I am <laughs> That's awesome. So, so are you going to start it back up again? Or are you gearing back up again? I would love to. <laughs> Once I get back to LA and get settled, absolutely. Nikki Knights will be up and running again. And, and I've been working on a book and that'll hopefully be coming out soon. And 
writing constantly and I have two movies coming out this year, one for Lifetime and another one. So I'm pumped. Okay. So the one for Lifetime, what's the name of it? And do you know when it's coming out? I don't know exactly when it's coming out. It it will be this year. Uh, It's called Love Me to Death. I play a lawyer um, which was really exciting for me because I always play like, you know, the happy, go lucky, quirky, fun. And they were like, no, you're playing a lawyer. I'm like, yes. <laughs> I'm like, I get to be serious and use terms. I don't even know. Um, <laughs> and it was so much fun. And then so that I believe will be out probably within the next four four to five months. I can't imagine because I just did all of the ADR for it. And then the other movie we shot it in Louisiana and that should be coming out this year as well. That is a true story. The true story of the first man ever to break out of county and federal prison. He was arrested for distribution of marijuana sentenced to 35 years in prison, was determined to get out for the birth of his daughter. And he went into the classifieds and found a lady and this girl fell head over heels in love with him. That's the character I play. And she broke him out of jail. And so was this a true story? Was this based on a true? Okay. Okay. There's a lot of that going around. I think there were a couple of stories like that in the headlines with, with women doing that. Okay. And when is that one coming out? I'm not sure they're they're So I'm always the last to find out. Like, even I'm like, okay, just let me know when to show up to the premiere. But they'll, uh, hopefully within this year, I'm sure it'll be out. Okay. And I am a lifetime movie junkie. So I'll be looking out for, it's called Love Me to Death. Love Me to Death. It's with okay. Tamala Jones and myself. And it is just, I had so much fun on it. It's great. So oh, that is so awesome. Okay. And before I let you go, the book that you're working on, is it a memoir? Yeah, it's, it's literally my whole story. From um, the beginning to to pretty much now, like my mom had always told me, you know, write a book, write a book, write a book. And I was like, oh, my gosh, write a book. And and then when the quarantine came and I had time, well, I wrote a book. (laughs) (laughs) I guess sometimes you you should listen to your mother. Um, Absolutely. Mother and grandmother, two smart ladies, it sounds like. Yes, I'm blessed. So thank you. I will tell them, tell them you said that. But um, yeah, yeah, so hopefully that'll be out too. And it is, like I said, all of the stories of my life, but through coming from me, everybody, you know, has read it in, you know, the magazines and seen it on ET and like fantasy dream, you know, girl gets a dream role. Right. This is how it really happened. This is from, you know, the horse's mouth, so to speak. So I'm excited. Very exciting. That's so awesome. And okay. So before I let you go, I just have to tell you, this was a pleasure. You are such a sweet young woman. You're a young woman because I'm 47. So <laughs> you're, uh, you're young Liza Minnelli, you are not 47. Don't believe it for a second. 27. Yeah. <laughs> 27. Forever 27. That's it. Uh, But no, I love you. You're awesome. I can't wait to see everything that's coming out with you. And thank you so much for your time and generosity. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for your amazing questions and your time and good luck and have an amazing interview with that incredible woman. Hey, so what did you guys think? I hope you enjoyed the interview. I had such a good time with Nikki. She is such a warm, sweet, lovely young woman. You know, I'm so impressed with myself because the intro that I recorded at the beginning of this podcast, I did it in one take, people. So I, yeah, I'm patting myself on the back, okay? I did that intro in one take and it was a six minute intro. So that's pretty fucking cool, okay? So anyway, I have some amazing guests coming up in the coming weeks. I really hope you loved this interview with Nikki Blonsky and stay tuned next week for the next go around. Peace.